everybody to this episode of the Women in Tech Spotlight. Today I have with me Celine Pripart. She is a security and compliance tech specialist at Microsoft. Welcome Celine. Hi, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for this opportunity. Hello Celine. Um, you work as a security and compliance specialist. Before we get into that, I would like to talk to you about your background. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Uh, so I recently joined Microsoft about uh, just over two months ago. So as a security and compliance tech specialist, as part of the modern work um, solutions organization uh, for public sector, so specifically serving uh, local and regional government here in the UK. And before that, I was at VMware as a security solution engineer. So as part of the VMware security business unit, uh, otherwise known as VMware Carbon Black. And before that, I actually did a one-year internship as a systems engineer uh, for VMware in the core UKI organization. And before that, I did a bit of pen testing, which is like the kind of more practical ethical hacking side of uh, cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah. So you did uh, the ethical hacking at VMware or somewhere else before you would join VMware? Um, somewhere else. So the, it was actually a, a short internship. Uh, it was for a small, kind of like a startup, so a small business here in the UK. Uh, so they're a small cryptography firm. Um, it's called Dupree, which is actually part of Genus One. So it's, it's a really small company. And uh, but that was my first tech job. And that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. And I did that as part of uh, as part of my studies. Okay, that sounds cool. We'll get into that a little bit later. Tell me a little bit about your family background. Did you grow up in the UK? Where are you from? Do you have siblings? Do you have kids? Do you have a dog? <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so I'm actually the oldest of, uh, well, six children. Um, and <laughs> and um, yeah, so the oldest, which means you're the lab rat, you know, you're, you're the experiment child, you know. <laughs> and um, so I grew up I was actually born in the UK. I was here as a small child. And while my father was finishing his studies and, and you know, getting into his career here. So he was a scientist, he was a biochemist. Um, and then we moved to Switzerland and then to Belgium, which is originally where my parents are from. So my first language is actually French. Um, and then when I was 11, we moved to the US. And this is where my accent comes from because I basically, I forgot the English that I knew in England. And I basically had to learn English all over again in the US at age 11. Um, and so that's where I got this American accent. And now I mix it with a bit of my my you know my my French. And so I just have a weird accent and people always ask me, where are you from, where are you from? Um, I moved back to Belgium in my mid twenties and then to the UK uh, at 27. So back to the UK. Uh, and I, I really feel like this is my home. You know, I've been here for six years now and yeah, I've been, I've been more time in the UK than where my parents are from. So I, I basically feel like this is my home. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's such an interesting background. And actually yeah. I love your accent. It's very smooth and you're right. You can't really tell where you're from. <laughs> slight French tinge, but then there's the American accent. Right, actually. <laughs> um yeah so wow oldest of six siblings that is special mm -hmm. are they all girls or girls and boys what what uh, is the ratio <laughs> yeah so there's only two boys so four of us 
and uh yeah much to my dad's uh, chagrin you know until until they finally had a boy and my dad was so happy after three girls three consecutive girls and then finally a boy and yeah so so mostly girls and um and actually oh sorry there's an, an alarm sound um so yeah so a bit of a backstory my i actually lost my father when i was 20 to to cancer um and this is partly also why i moved around a bit quite a bit after that because my then after that my mother and all my siblings moved back to europe and i was basically left in the us by myself at, at age 20 and in, in the middle of my studies um so yeah so it was a bit of um you know yeah, a bit of a, how do you say, a bit of a detracting path, you know, it's it's just one of those things you don't expect, but you know, it happens, it's life, so. Yeah, it happens, but it's still hard. I mean, you were really young, mm -hmm. being yeah. alone in the US, um, mm -hmm. studying at 20 and the whole family after such a time yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is, uh, that's actually really hard, so. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, life, yeah, life may be, you know, throw us, uh, may throw us a curveball, but this is something that I mean, it shows that you are strong. I mean, mm -hmm. exactly, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It teaches you that resilience, and it kind of forced me into, I guess, adulthood. Like, you know, it forced me to, you know, be independent a bit sooner. I guess. Um, so yeah, so I like to look at the positive side of it and, but yeah, but since then my mother's remarried, you know, she's back in Belgium and she's, she's happy and yeah, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Mm -hmm. So you were saying you were in the middle of university when this happened, when your father mm -hmm. passed away and your mother and your siblings moved back to Belgium, um, yeah. or to Switzerland. I Belgium, Belgium, yeah. <laughs> So I was wondering, um, tell us a little bit about your educational background. So obviously, most of your schooling was in the US, I guess, since you were 11 when you got there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the school did you, did you go to? What did you do at university? Um, yeah, so so I went to, you know, your regular state school. Uh, I played ice hockey. I was I did the varsity ice hockey and I did I did uh, hockey for four years. So that, that was my hope. My big passion was sports. Um, and then I started at uni. Um, so I went to Southern Connecticut State University. Um, and, and it was funny because when I looked at unis, I actually looked at unis more because of the sports, because back then sports was like my thing. Um, you know, this is before I got into tech. Um, and I had decided to do psychology. Uh, so I had done the advanced psychology, um, you know, like the equivalent of an A-level. So I had done that at school uh, and I did a bunch of other A-level equivalency as well. Um, you know, which is like the, it's like the, the, the high, um, it's what you do, you know, in the UK, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the examination to get into uni. Um, yeah. And so I decided to do psychology because at the time I thought, oh, I want to become a psychologist or do some research, but I wasn't really quite sure, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm good at it. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And so I studied that for about two years. Um, but then I, I actually stopped. Um, so yeah, so so again, it's partly because of, of what happened, you know, with my dad and my family moving back. So I actually, um, actually, kind of because of religious reasons, I actually married at a young age. Uh, so I made it married at 20. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was a really long story. But yeah, just it was also around uh, the time that you had the financial crisis. And then I actually, we actually lost a family home. So among that, I kind of had basically in the US, you know, there was a lot of hardship. And so I ended up moving even into my 
uh, at the time husband's uh, family home. So it was just, as you can imagine, curveball after curveball. <laughs> and and uh, eventually, so my studies were disrupted. I, 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 you know, as you know, in the United States, it's quite expensive to study. Uh, and healthcare is expensive and I was on my own. And so I thought, you know, I'm just, you know, so I actually stopped because of that. And then I decided I'm just going to work, you know, just to pay the bills and just to get by. And so I, I, I guess at a young age, I had decided I, I felt like I had no choice but to give up on my dreams, kind of. Um, I could have probably gone back to Belgium, maybe moved into my mom's, but, um, you know, I was at that point, all I knew was the United States. So I thought, you know, that's a bit of a risk. I've never lived in Europe as an adult, you know, my language, you know, it's not as good as English. And so it was just too scary. So I just stayed in the US and I just managed to get by and always thinking, I'll go back to school, I'll go back to uni and I'll finish, I'll finish, I'll finish. And then eventually, so it's kind of a long path, but eventually um, by my mid twenties, things were not going well, you know, obviously mar got married too young. Um, I didn't have any kids. So in a way for myself, personally, I'm thankful for it because it made, it made everything else easier for me, obviously. Uh, and um, yeah, so at 25, I decided, you know what, I'm going to move back to Belgium, you know, be close to my family. So I finally made that jump, moved back to Belgium. Um, that's and and it was actually while I was there that I started developing an interest in, in tech and cyber and cybersecurity eventually. Um, yeah, I started getting really interested by IT and programming uh, and security, but I just wasn't sure if if it, if it was something I could do, you know. Um, I eventually then moved to the UK uh, later on, and I took a job in e-commerce customer service. And as part of that job, I actually had to do some some counterfeit research. You know, taking you know helping the legal team take down counterfeit websites, um, helping um, stop um, fraudulent orders. And I actually really liked that aspect of it. I liked. I noticed that a lot of customers would easily fall for scams. You know, and that's when I kind of got. I got that view of how easy it is to scam people. And that's kind of like the human side. You can kind of say it's, it is a human side of security, you know, like when you get a phishing email, of, uh, you know, a phishing SMS. Um, and th that kind of piqued my interest. And around that same time here in the UK is when I also got interested in cybersecurity. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. You know, there's a whole field about this. You know, there's there's these hackers, there's these people who are using the hacking skills, but before good, you know, to find these security holes and, and patch them up and, and secure them before the bad guys, you know, exploit them. And yeah, so a whole new, like, it, it was almost like a rabbit hole, you know, I just, you know, it's like when you find something on Wikipedia, and you just keep clicking, 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 oh my gosh, this exists. Wow, this is amazing. And I just kept learning. And, you know, then it was down tutorial paths, and, you know, just YouTube videos and reading and reading and 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 then I got I got interested in coding and I started dabbling with, you know, making websites. And so it was just like one thing after another. Um, and, you know, there was Linux as well. I, I fell in love with Linux and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. It's open source. Anyone can use it. You can customize it. You know, command line. When, when I discovered command line, that's when I realized I can actually have power over my machine and not just be a user. Um, you know, not just be at the mercy of my machine if it's broken or something goes wrong and I don't know what's going on. And yeah, so it was just a door opened and I just I just walked in it and I never looked back. And and at that point, I thought, you know what, I really want to get into cybersecurity or technology. And but how am I going to do it? I don't have qualifications beyond A levels. You know, I stopped my studies and it was psychology. And um, and that's when I decided I'm going to go back to uni at age 29 here in the UK. <laughs> And I'm going to study computer science. And I actually got into the course because I had some A-levels in chemistry, physics, maths. Um, yeah, and so 
and part of me thought, did I make a big mistake? You know, is it too late? Am I too old? I'm 29. I should be worried about other things. You know, I should be past the stage. And I kind of felt like I had missed out or I should have done this sooner. But I thought if I never try, um, I might regret it for the rest of my life. So I thought it's never too late and I'm going to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. You have led such an interesting life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know where to start with my next question. Um, okay. One thing that I, I was thinking about when you said you studied psychology and then you got interested in, in security when you were working in this fraud department, mm -hmm. do you see that there is some connection between human psychology and security? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that question up because um, I was going to touch on that as well. That's a really good point because when it comes to technology, and I'm sure you know, but in technology, it's all about the people at the end. You know, it's created by people. It's made for people. And it is a huge part of, uh, of security. It's even trying to get into the hacker's mind. You know, why are they doing this? Anticipating their next move, making sure you're one step ahead. It's this constant cat and mouse keeping up, keep, keeping up to the, to the latest technique or the latest threat. Uh, and it, it can be quite hard in the field, but um, yeah, funnily enough, I do find that what I learned in psychology is helping me now because it's helping me with understanding the motive behind people's actions and behavior. And it's helping me especially understand the social engineering side of um, of security, which is that that kind of uh, part of, of part of um, when you're trying to to manipulate someone or trying to find a human vulnerability and exploit it, you know, such as here's an example last year during COVID um, at the start of COVID there, there were so many more COVID-related uh, hacks and scams happening, like phishing attacks, you know, click on this COVID, on this coronavirus map, but it was actually, uh, it, it had some, it had uh, malicious threats in it. Uh, and so many people fell for it because of that sense of urgency, because of taking advantage of people's sense of panic. And that's where social engineering is is really, uh, it's, it's kind of scary, but yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a big link. Yeah, this is such an interesting aspect of security. I am also very, very interested in security. Um, and, and I totally understand this, this aspect that fascinates you. And I was wondering, uh, when we go talk about psychology and security, I feel that um, this is a field that is predestined for women, actually, you know, I think women who are good with communi um, communication and also very empathic empathetic, I think the word it is in English, um, are actually made for this, this field. But um, before we start encouraging women to do the same thing that we do, I would like to, to just take a step back and ask you, how did you experience uh, becoming a woman in tech? Because that's also one of the aspects you said, you, you went back to university at 29, and of course, everyone was younger, but how was the ratio female to male? How did you feel about that? Did you feel like, um, I have this this uh, friend who had, is doing a, a survey. It's called "We Are Not Aliens." But did you feel like an alien there, or did you feel um, at home? Um, yeah, I kind of feel like an alien. I mean, in one way, it was great to be surrounded by a lot of people with the similar interests. You know, it, I thought, "Wow, I'm not the only one." Because before that, I didn't know many people in tech, and. and if I talked about it to family or friends, they would just make fun of me like, oh, you're such a geek. Oh, you're such a nerd. Or how can you look at code all day? That would bore me. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So it was it was nice to be around like minds. But yeah, indeed, I did feel like quite a, a bit of an alien aside from the age gap. Um, <laughs> there was 
I mean, thankfully, people couldn't really tell, but still, there is that maturity level difference. Um, but yeah, but I did notice a big difference. Like, for example, I remember when I went to the lecture hall, I think it was at least over 100, what looked like men anyway, uh, over 100 men and, and just me and as far as I could tell, just me and a few other women, maybe three or something like that, as far as I know, because um, I actually got to know all of them. So. <laughs> And yeah, it was a bit scary, uh, especially the first year. I wasn't quite comfortable. And in, in the first year, I felt like, you know, I kind of felt like I didn't really belong there. I, and, and that imposter syndrome started kicking in already. Uh, that feeling of, oh, I don't really, you know, I, I, I'm not like them. I'm, you know, I'm too different. I'm not made for this. I'm, I'm not going to make it in this field. And um, but especially it was sometimes having that fear of even raising my hand to answer a question, because honestly, I was scared that if I answered the question wrong, that it would make me look bad in front of everyone. Not only that, but that I would confirm this, that it would that it would confirm the stereotype that, oh, yeah, see, haha, women are not meant for this. Like she she doesn't know the answer women suck at this and so i was so afraid of fulfilling that stereotype that i would just keep my mouth shut and just not say anything for fear of appearing you know stupid or something like that i i didn't want to confirm those stereotypes and so yeah so i noticed that that affected it and then also there was a bit of a bit of mansplaining as it's called you know like me me knowing something really well but then someone explaining explaining it to me like like as if i don't know it just yeah. because of my appearance and i've had that a few times but I would say the most blatant, I guess, kind of discriminate. The most blatant thing that I felt was when I was in a like a student bar and I was wearing a skirt with heels. And honestly, I, I almost never went out like that. But anyway, but I, I happened to look very feminine that night. And there was a guy, another student who asked me, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a student. And he asked, what do you study? And I said, computer science. And, and his first reaction was to laugh in my face, literally just laugh. Really? Yeah, he just laughed. He looked at me and he just he started laughing. And I was like, I was so caught off guard. Like, why? Why is he laughing? Mm -hmm. but, but in a condescending manner, you know, like really like, yeah. And and then he said, oh, he started he left some more and he said, you should just give up. You, you should give up on that field. You're never going to make it in IT. <laughs> Literally. And that was and that was one year before I got the offer from VMware to join. us. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, look who's laughing now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. okay, this is a very, very I, I think this is one of the worst specimens of, of uh, misogynist men that you can actually meet. Um, luckily, they're not that frequent and not that common, yeah, no. but yeah, yeah. You, of course, you can encounter men like that, sadly. Um, yeah. I mean, you touched on something that's that's obvious an issue for a lot of women in our field. We're often alone in or in a room or with very few other women. And there's the issue that if you don't see someone who looks like you, that you might feel out of place. That is something that we shouldn't underestimate, I think. So mm -hmm. true. Yeah. And yeah. then you touched on imposter syndrome. That is, of course, mm -hmm. also an issue for a lot of us, uh, sadly. But um, I think um knowing that other women have the same problem makes it easier because it obviously doesn't have a lot to do with what you you you're good at or what your skills are it's more self-doubt and and um yeah the issue that in in our uh, society people outwardly seem more confident than they actually are so you you, you just see the facade no 
-hmm. Yeah. So, wow. But what you also show is that if you have a passion for a field, you can actually overcome all these obstacles and, and then mm -hmm. um, go on to be really successful because you obviously you worked uh, for VMware. Mm -hmm. which is already one of the biggest software companies and you're now at microsoft which is another one of the i think it's actually the biggest uh, software company in the world mm -hmm. um which goes to show that someone who uh, has the drive and the interest can can go um and, and become really successful in this field and maybe you just want to summarize how you then uh, went from the university to to being at microsoft um, as a security specialist which is amazing uh, yeah. yeah sure so just quickly yeah so then in my second year uh, i was looking for the placement year which is a one-year internship that you do before your final year at uni uh, here in the uk uh, optionally and so i decided obviously i need to get experience in this field and so i applied um i applied to vmware I, I got the job, which I couldn't believe, but yeah, so I got that one. Um, and um, and just before I started it, I did that pen testing internship, uh, you know, in security. So that so that that actually started just before the VMware internship. So then I did that, and then at the end of my VMware internship, so my one year was coming up to an end, and I had kind of started, I had kind of built a brand on being known to be like a security you know, SE or security kind of go-to, you know, I was one of the SEs um, here in the UK who, who loves uh, security. There's many of us, you know, I wasn't the only one, obviously, but um, but I got kind of known for it. And I did like a security training program internally for VMware employees. Uh, and so I got kind of recognized for that, you know, people, people said that it was useful. <laughs> and uh, I had actually reached out to the Carbon Black team after the acquisition. Um, and so I had gotten to know them. And, and kind of just align on vision and, and strategy and things like that. And then it turns out that I guess they I guess they really wanted me at the end of my internship. And so so anyway, so then that's how I then pivoted into the uh, Carbon Black Security Business Unit at VMware. Uh, and that's when I secured a, a, a full-time permanent role after the internship. So normally, after that internship, normally I would have had to go back to uni to finish my final year. Um, but uh, VMware made, they made a, a big exception for me, which normally they don't do. Uh, I just have to say that, but they made a big, a big exception. They said, okay, because of your age and your experience and transferable skills, they said, we'll make an exception. And so I got that full-time role so I could so I could stay on to VMware, but that meant that I had to then change my studies to part time. So I'm actually now finishing up my degree still. Uh, I just have yeah. So I just have my dissertation to do and one more one other class, and then that's it. And then I finally get my bachelor's. Um, so anyway, but just to summarize, um, I then actually got got kind of approached by Microsoft uh, a few months ago, and then I. You know, it was it, honestly it was a hard choice because I felt on one hand I, you know, I had been at VMware for over a year and a half and I felt that loyalty and my career was building up and I thought, oh no, I saw myself at VMware for ten years. Uh, but then on the other hand, I also saw this amazing opportunity that I mean, how, how, it's hard to turn down an opportunity like Microsoft and security. Uh, and I thought so. I, I did a lot of soul searching and, and thinking, and I decided that for me in my career, it was in my in my stage of, in life, it, it just made made sense for me. So yeah. So yeah, that's how I ended up at Microsoft. <laughs> and I would agree. I, I want to congratulate you on this new job. It's actually amazing oh, thank you. that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about your background, talked about your education and uh, how you got to be where you are. And maybe before we wrap up, uh, you would like to uh, tell me what you would recommend to young women looking to go into the field. Is there any tips you have, anything you would like to, to say to them? 
Mm. If like you, they're on the on the brink of making a decision and they're not sure if they're welcome in the field, mm. would you tell them do it or would you not recommend it? Just whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would say, I would say, first of all, that I know what it's like to not be sure and to think that you don't belong there and that you feel that it, that you fear that it's a mistake. But definitely, definitely try. Go for it. Because honestly, the worst case is that you've tried, you know, at least you at least you gave it a go. Uh, but I would say it's, it's totally worth it. You know, IT is a field with many fields within itself that is just booming right now. It's just becoming more and more important. Um, and another thing I would say is definitely don't don't doubt yourself. You know, uh, you really do belong there no matter what your background is, no matter what your skill set is. Uh, there's, I feel like there really kind of is a place for everybody in IT and, um, and whether, whether you're a deeply technical person or not, or not yet, just, just don't be afraid. Just remember everybody started somewhere, you know, no one, no one was born knowing how to code or knowing how to, how to do security and things like that. And, and also it's not just about the technical things, right? There's even sales, there's, there's all sorts of fields. So you can do any kind of job within IT. And, and I think that's another amazing thing. So yeah, so definitely believe in yourself. Don't listen to the to the rare ones who tell you that you don't belong. Just prove them wrong and just go for it. Yeah, wise words. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, totally I can just draw a line under that and say, thank you for talking to me, Celine. It was a nice um, half hour, I think, maybe a little longer. <laughs> thank you for spending that with me. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you so much. And thanks for your time. Bye, Celine. Right.